1: Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to Pocket Lint Podcast. Is it game over for Google Stadia? That's been the hot take of many this week following the news that Google is ditching its own publishing efforts for the online gaming platform. I talked to Pocket Lint News editor Rick Henderson to find out what it means for games developers, Google and gamers. And on the subject of games, I talked to the co-founder of SquareOff, a tech startup based out of Mumbai, India, that's aiming to connect the world through its smart and evolved board games. About the future of connected physical games like chess. And Cam Bunton has been exercising with the new Garmin Instinct Solar smartwatch that gets its power from, as the name suggests it, Solar Energy, and joins us to give his his verdict. But first, back to you, Rick. Is it the end of the line for Stadia? Absolutely not. Um,
2: Uh, For people who don't know Stadia, uh, I I say Stadia for some weird reason, but it is Stadia. Uh, Stadia Games and Entertainment Division was closed down by Google. Now, normally, Google kind of does this sort of thing. It signals the end of the line for, for a specific um, uh, service that it's running. However, I can't see that it's going to affect Stadia or Stadia at all. Um, the reason being is because it's closed a games development studio that has not produced a single game. Um, mm. Which and, <laughs> and we didn't even expect. There was no sort of like leak or news on anything it was developing it anyway um and also i don't think that people are actually um subscribing to uh stadia for any other reason than the games it already has than than for big brand big name games i mean for example it's it's now got cyberpunk 2077 on the platform assassin's creed valhalla uh, madden nfl 21 and soon we'll have fifa 21 as well so those are the games that will draw people to um stadia not not uh, uh an unknown unbranded intellectual property that google may have developed itself
1: and do you think i mean because if you look at it from a, a different perspective you obviously got you know the concern is is that microsoft develops its own games for xbox sony develops its own games and is constantly buying studios for you know playstation nintendo obviously with mario and all the other stuff and so you know i think there's probably that fear is that if if google can't even muster up ability to produce its own games for its own platform then why should anybody else bother as well
2: i i, th- I think the actual the, the the reason why that that both does apply in some ways but also doesn't is because of the uh, of how people see the Service. Um, the, the part part of the problem for me is that people see Stadia uh, or Stadia. I keep saying it wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> as <laughs> it's like my Sony Sony thing. Um, it, as a, um, a rival to consoles, and it isn't. I mean, that, it totally isn't. That isn't the purpose of uh, Stadia. The, pro- the also the other problem is, I think Google sees it as a rival to consoles at the moment, and I think that is more an issue. Than it producing its own games. I do think that the service has got a few problems with it, and I do think that uh, it is on the on the precipice of either succeeding or failing, but not for that reason, not because it's not going to make its own games. I actually think that its problems lie in uh, messaging and accessibility.
1: Hmm. And how do you think they can improve that accessibility?
2: putting it on more platforms i mean it it baffled me earlier this year or late last year when the um chromecast with google tv was launched and didn't even have the stadia um uh, app on it i mean if google isn't going to support its own service yeah. Then then how on earth are people going to get into it? And and that did baffle me. And, and it needs to be on more things. I mean, th- thankfully, LG TVs are going to have it um, pre-installed on their 2021 20, TVs. And it's going to be backloaded onto 2020 TVs as well later this year, which is a start. But it needs to be everywhere.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's kind of something. When you look at Apple with their Apple TV Plus um, offering, is that they realised that Apple TV users and, and even iPhone users wouldn't be enough, and so they we saw very quickly on and early on, didn't we? We saw deals with Samsung and and LG and Philips and 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 other brands to try and bring that that Apple TV Plus subscription service to you know as an app to those those TVs. We don't seem to have seen that with with Stadia. Um, in the same way, have we, which is perhaps reduced. you know, do you think it's because the service isn't ready to have that many people on it yet? And that cause, you know, and then that's, that's what's holding them back. It's kind of a technical thing. Or, or do you think that actually when you get to use the service, you know, if you can find a device to use it on, the, the service is brilliant from a, a technical point of view?
2: I do think there's a slight technical hitch with it, but I think the technical hitch is actually compatibility with controllers and not the actual service itself. I think the service would work. uh, The the, the servers that they have at Google are are massive and mighty and and many. So I don't think it's a streaming issue. I actually think the part of the problem that they have is that manufacturers have to build into their um, dongles or TV sets compatibility with a games controller. Now, their own... Um, Stadia uh, controller works wirelessly straight with your router so that's not an issue but that then depends on you buying the controller. Mm. They have to have another alternative mode uh, method of you being able to play uh, with the service without actually forcing you to buy the controller otherwise all of a sudden you are a service that requires hardware whereas the messaging is that it's a service that doesn't require hardware.
1: And do you think there's a fear of we got as a society, a gaming society, have we got to a position where we're happy to pay for games that we never actually own? You know, I know we start to see this with Xbox and PlayStation where obviously it's the games pass and you kind of access to them and things, but this is purely, you know, you never, ever own these games. You know, you're, if, if you buy into cyberpunk on, on Stadia and in a year's time, Google shuts down the project, you know, as it so happily does with so many services on a regular basis, you know what happens then do you 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 don't get that game anymore but yet you've had to buy it
2: yeah that is that's an that's an issue with any digital format of any kind of thing i mean there there've been um some very very um, uh, uh, major issues with steam even where people have bought a game that is then discontinued and it's removed from their library um and i think gamers are more wary of this kind of practice than normal everyday members of the public. Uh, I think um, uh, members of the public um, are more willing to accept the digital format and the digital library idea than gamers are a bit more wary, let's put it that way. And that's obviously where uh, Google is trying to focus its prospects in the first place. And that's why I was saying there's an issue in messaging because it's actually the public who don't want a games console under their TV that actually are the better uh, focus for stadia it's it's a they're they're, at the moment they're living in a dichotomy they 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 want the gamers to 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 jump on board but it's actually Mm. better for people that aren't traditionally gamers
1: but i suppose that's the problem isn't it where the the not professional gamers but the the guys the guys and girls that are really into their gaming are probably already signed up to an xbox or a playstation or even built their own pc and so therefore the idea of of a subscription service isn't necessary for them do you think that's where amazon with their gaming service is trying to do the flip side of this
2: yeah i think i i think amazon is slightly is approaching it slightly more cleverly in the fact that it is actually focusing on amazon prime users who may well just want to play some games and so luna isn't really targeting gamers at all and you can see that immediately in their messaging obviously it's only available in the us right now but when they uh, when they roll it out elsewhere you'll see that, that's, that that they're not looking at you know that hardcore gaming thing and when you look at the sales figures of the playstation 5 just as a, a small example of 4.5 million units shipped in mm. what a
1: month yeah, it's a lot, isn't right. it?
2: Yeah, you, that audience is already well served. They aren't going to suddenly go. Well, do you know what? I'll play on my PlayStation Five, but I'll also play Cyberpunk on the Stadia. They're not going to do that. No. So it's they're not going to have it as a second console. It, it, so it it needs to be messaged and available to everybody who's a casual gamer. Who genuinely can't be done with the whole hardware issue of of gaming. And that's when it will succeed. And I don't think that um, closing its own game studio will make any difference in that respect because those people aren't looking for original exclusive games anyway. They just want the games that everybody else is talking
3: about on social media.
1: Still to come, Cam gives us his verdict on the Garmin Instinct Solar smartwatch.
3: Especially in the summer when we've got way more daylight hours and a bit more brightness in the sky. Um, So yeah, I definitely see it making a difference there. But again, it can go a month between charges. So battery life is never really a, a worry anyway.
1: Square Off launched its pioneering automated chess board in 2016, allowing players to play against others from around the world or against AI on their very own physical board, with even going as far as using a robotic arm hidden within the board itself to move pieces around for you. Now, some five years later, not only has SquareOff's offering grown, but the company is looking at further options, including training programs and other types of games to entertain users. Hot off the heels of the success of Netflix show The Queen's Gambit, I caught up with co founder and CEO Bravia Gohill to talk about how the show is helping boost interest in chess and what's in store for the company going forward. I started by asking him to describe what the company actually does.
4: So Square Off is a Mumbai-based startup. Uh, we are into building games and toys enabled with robotics and AI. So we are revolutionising the way people play traditional games and toys by making them more engaging and interactive uh, to give meaningful learning experiences to kids uh, and young young children.
1: And so one of the products that you've kind of probably most famous for is is the Square Off uh, chess set. Can you just describe that a little bit more for people that haven't heard of it? Uh,
4: yes, that is correct. So, so so the square of chessboard is basically um, you can play on a physical board versus the artificial intelligence with 20 different difficulty levels, or you can connect it online and play with millions of people across the globe. So all of this happens on a real physical board. So you mo- make your move as you do on any other normal chessboard, but the opponent's move will happen automatically so the pieces actually move automatically like you see in any other harry potter's chess board uh so uh, we are also partnered with chess.com and lee chess uh, they have combined more than 70 million users across the world and you can play any one of them
1: and so what made you come up with this idea because obviously chess you know for a long time you either play with a physical board or you can just turn on a computer so what made you try and what made you come up with the idea of marrying the two together
4: um uh, yeah so basically we are trying to bring our best of both physical as well as digital world we call it fidgetal. basically so we give that 360 experience to our users where uh you know you're actually playing on a physical board but still you get all the features that you play on an app right so while you're playing on an app you play with ai you play with people across the globe etc while over here you are doing it on a physical board so that's an experience that you're getting plus we give all the you know features like analyzing or video chatting with your friends etc uh, through the app so app is always connected to the board via bluetooth Uh, And hence we give, you know, again, the best of both the worlds, that is the app as well as the physical board.
1: And so when it comes to designing an AI experience for chess, is it fairly easy? I suppose is it just a case of of punching in lots of different moves and and hoping for the best or do is there (laughs) something more to it than that?
4: Uh, no, I would say that, that there's a lot more than that. Um, so we have different technology stacks over here, first is the hardware itself. It's an interactive hardware, which is smart and connected. Um, so we basically use a robotic arm to move the pieces, which is inside the box. So it's a very sleek robotic arm and also, you know, it's it's affordable, I would say. Uh, secondly, there is the app uh, where all the artificial intelligence goes into it. And we, we collect a lot of data of the games that you're playing and then we try to give personalized learning experiences to you so basically that means the the ai is adaptive so it basically adapts to your level of gameplay so if you are a beginner it will play accordingly and if you are a master it will play accordingly um, so and then we have also integrations of apis with uh, leechess and chess.com uh, so, again, that, that is altogether a different thing where you are connecting to cloud servers and you are playing with people across the globe remotely. So, so that's uh, the second stack. And third is the firmware that goes into the hardware to, to make this entire execution of automated movements work. So, so with all of these three combined, it's, it's a pretty complicated product. But it's you know still uh, more accessible to a lot of lot of people out there but it's a complicated piece of technology uh, which can actually allow you to do so much uh, with, with you know on a physical board
1: and and you talk about it being adaptive does that mean that it it has its own playing style the AI or have you used specific um, chess grandmasters to be able to say well I'm gonna go and pretend I'm gonna play against uh, you know this grandmaster or, or that grandmaster and, and it sticks to that style or is it does it have its own style
4: uh so it it can uh, adapt different styles as you mentioned but we what we do is we use a chess engine called stockfish so stockfish is an open source chess engine uh you know it's it's the world's strongest chess engine out there but we what we have done is we have modified it in certain way where we can actually uh you know uh, Give these kind of experiences to our users when I say adaptive AI. So when you are playing, we see a couple of moves and decide, okay, what kind of openings have you played? What kind of defense have you played, etc. Uh, accordingly, the the AI will adjust the level and play with you. So every time you play a different game, the the style of playing might be different because it's not that you know it it wouldn't be boring for you when you are playing with the AI again and again. In fact, you will be improving your game eventually.
1: At the moment chess is, seems to be quite quite a hot topic thanks to Netflix <laughs> and The Queen's Gambit. I'm not sure whether you've seen that show of yet. I course I have. But has that has that has that kind of raised the profile of the game for you?
4: Oh uh, yes, definitely. So in, in, I would say entire chess market have seen a significant uptick uh, because of Queen's Gambit and also because of pandemic uh you know due to the pandemic people were at home and playing indoor games and board games and you know stuff like that uh and then queen's gambit happened uh, and we for us at square off we are seeing a significant
0: uh uptick in in sales as well as a drop in the cost of acquisition so i would say 3 to 4x is is, is the kind of uptick that we have seen in our sales
1: So it's a shame there's not a season two, otherwise you'd be kind of (laughs) (laughs) just continuing to go through that as well.
0: Definitely. We, We are hoping that maybe next year we will see a season two of Queen's Gambit.
1: And so using the technology that you've, you've gained, is, is the main focus, you, you talked at the beginning about how your company designs games and, and builds on, on, on them. Do you, do you feel that the technology that you're building and learning through chess, can that be easily transferred to, to other games quite as easily?
0: Uh, yes, that is correct. So we, what we are doing is we introduced a new product called Swap. So Swap is a multi-board gaming platform uh, on which you can play chess as well as uh, other games like checkers, Connect Four, uh, draughts, halma, etc. So, so all of these games would be you will be able to play on the same surface. So what happens is the technology, like the robotic arm and the app and everything, remains more or less the same. But uh, then we we just have to modify the software that is the app and the firmware in such a way that people can actually play multiple board games so so we are now stepping beyond chess and also moving to other board games where we are creating a multi-board gaming platform on which people can still play with ai practice their games and also connect online and play with people across the globe so so yeah that's the that's what we are trying to do uh, we are moving a step ahead
1: now one of the things with chess is that obviously the variety of pieces and they all have their own individual move capabilities Has has that been hard to program and, and to, to account for? And if so, what was kind of the biggest challenge that you had to solve to make this a reality?
0: Um, so to be honest, uh, you know there are, there are a certain amount of games that we can we can build on on this piece of technology, and I would say it would make more sense to to build on this technology. So let's say uh, more strategy games uh, and more two-player games is something that we are focusing on right now. Uh, because uh, those kind of games would, would make more sense on this. And secondly, of course, yes, uh, the programming part uh, is is crucial and it's difficult, where we have to solve problems for each and every game, like checkers has their own issues, chess would have their own issues, like there are some special movements, uh, like in, in said chess there is promotion, right, when the pawn reaches the last uh, row then it gets promoted to either a queen knight etc so these kind of special mm-hmm. edge cases we have to take care of in each and every game and that becomes a really difficult part uh, and uh, so of course i mean other than that having uh, different kind of movements for different different games uh, the different set of rules uh, all of it implementing in in terms of programming in terms of software it becomes really uh, difficult but uh, that's where our team you know plays uh, an important role because we have a amazing team over here in mumbai uh, who takes care of all this tech uh, in house so so yeah i mean we we have been able to build a really talented team uh, which solves all these problems for us
1: and i suppose the final question really is it's chess is obviously one of those games that's been around for a long time and once you kind of have solved that scenario mm-hmm. Is there anything more that you can do to make it better and, and, and grow? Or is it just a case of refining the AI to make it more challenging?
0: Um, no, I would say we are actually, uh, you know, thinking in direction where we can actually grow this game and make it more interesting for the new generation. Uh, and that that's our main aim, you know, when we started this. Our aim was to make this more interesting in a way that we can make it more engaging and interactive. So for example, we are introducing AI based tutor, which will be in the app, we call it Victor. So Victor uh, will be your in-app companion, in-app coach, will, will be teaching you chess in real time. So basically you're playing on the board while the app is still connected and it is a, a voice enabled uh, coach in the app and it will give you real time feedback while you're playing on the board. So so basically, you can work on your attacks or defense or your entire game. You can go through an entire course to to improve your game, to learn chess from the very basic. So so that's what we are trying to do with this piece of technology where we are actually uh, not just playing with AI or, you know, just playing online that you used to do on the apps, but also learn chess in, in the most interactive way that you can. If you, know, if you know that chess coaches uh, usually are really expensive. Uh, so what we are doing is this AI-based coach will be accessible. It will always be in your pocket. And you will always be able to learn chess with the coach at a very, very affordable price point of only $10 per month. So, so so, that's what we are trying to do. We are making it more accessible and we are more, making it more interactive and interesting so that more people can you know, uh, come and enjoy this wonderful game of chess.
1: For the most part, when looking at the fitness tracker or smartwatch market, you'll generally see a device which looks something like a traditional watch but with a single color screen taking up all the space on the front. There aren't too many that look and feel like a digital watch that also feature The same features as a smartwatch. That's a little slice of the market that the Garmin Instinct Solar has for itself. Its casing is chunky, with design cues seemingly taken from those proper digital watches we used to use back in the 90s to time our runs. But does it work, and should you consider it? Cam Bunton has been running with the watch for the last couple of months and is here to give us his verdict. So Cam, tell us more.
3: So the Garmin Instinct Solar, um, it's... Compared to a lot of the other Garmin fitness trackers, it's, it's quite basic in that it has just a black and white screen, um, but that's kind of what gives it its appeal as well, because it means the battery life is ridiculously good, uh, and it doesn't miss out on any of the key features you'd expect from a Garmin fitness tracker, so you can track all your runs, get all your data. Um, if you want to go cycling or swimming, you can do that as well, because it's really well made and it's waterproof. So... Um it does basically it's it's a watch that focuses on the basics of fitness tracking and just does them really, really well with a battery that will go for about a month between charges.
1: Wow. Now when I looked at the pictures on Pocket Lint, it very, very much reminded me of the Casio Mudman range. Yeah. Um do you think that's what they were going for here?
3: I mean, it sort of has that appeal, doesn't it? When I was wearing it as well, it reminded me of back in the day when I was a teenager going running with just a basic sports watch. It it definitely has that look and that vibe to it. Um, And I think people will be familiar with that. But it adds in those extra sort of modern features that we have now, like heart rate monitoring and GPS tracking and elevation and all that stuff. And it doesn't cost a whole lot of money either. So I think it will appeal to people who are used to that style of watch.
1: Now, is there? It sounds like you liked it, and you sound like you like the style and all the other stuff. Is there anything that you thought? Mm, I wish they'd done that.
3: Um, it's a difficult one because it's. I mean, it doesn't have a, some of the more lifestyley features that some of the higher end Garmin watches have. So you can't load music onto there, which, when you go running, sometimes can be quite a good motivator or a good distraction from your own breathing <laughs> and panting.
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> It doesn't have that and it doesn't have Garmin Pay, which is their contactless payment system. So it is missing some of those um, sort of modern features.
1: And do you feel that this is, so who's this aimed for? Who's if You know, apart from someone that wants to hark back to their teenage years, perhaps in the 80s yeah. or 90s, who, who's this kind of, is it, does it? kind of fit more towards a runner or to a general exercise you know could you use this just yeah. as a general activity watch
3: you can it's i mean it's got all the basic sort of daily activity and fitness tracking stuff and sleep tracking in there as well um but i think it will appeal to a lot of people especially those who go on like really long hikes and just need to know that their battery is going to last because of course the big feature of this watch is that it has a solar sensor a solar charger so if you go out in the summer you can potentially be out all day tracking your route and it it will hardly drain any of the battery
1: and has that does that it sounds like futuristic and exciting and all the other stuff does it does it work in practice like because we're listening in in the uk i'm looking out my window right now and it's raining
3: yeah exactly (laughs) i mean that's, that's the weird thing is that because i tested this in november and december i didn't really get the full effect of the solar charging um So it's hard to say, but I know I used one of their other solar charging watches and it does seem to make a difference, especially in the summer when we've got way more daylight hours and a bit more brightness in the sky. Um, So, yeah, I definitely see it making a difference there. But again, it can go a month between charges. So battery life is never really a, a worry anyway.
1: Wow, that's quite a long time, isn't it? I think my yeah. Apple Watch needs daily charging. So, yeah, so it shows you the difference on, the, on that side of things. Well, so I suppose the final verdict then is, do you recommend people get this?
3: I do. I mean, it's for me, it's it's almost one of those things where people value practicality and battery life over anything else, over all the modern bells and whistles. I don't know about you with the Apple Watch, but sometimes I feel like some of the smart features are kind of distracting throughout the day and you mm. just want something that sits on your wrist and doesn't do anything until you need it to. Um, and I think that's the appeal for this one.
1: That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.